Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, Season 1, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we grow. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. <laughs> That's a good listener. <laughs> Was I supposed to do it? Right, right. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we'll try again. Let's just go say rhythm in the middle. 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 Oh, well. Did we lose you, Matisse? Oh, I think we actually lost her. Shit. I was about to laugh so hard. I'm like, how did she not know? I know. She had to sing the whole thing. She actually recorded it with me when I made it. I think I listened to it. All right. Welcome to Our New Voice. Today we have two beautiful sisters who are in their 20s. And these two wonderful ladies are girls who I've known since they were really little. I watched them imitate everything around them and find their own way and learn to giggle with them. And I'm so looking forward to what they have to say today to these questions. We have Macy and Matisse. Okay, so the first question, the first question that we're asking to get a better understanding of how all of the generations and people experience things how is it that you came to know you were a girl? Like, how did you first understand that you were a girl? And how did that kind of present itself to you? And what were your thoughts about it, if you can remember? I'm trying to remember, like, when I first, like, realized that. I mean, like, the only thing I can remember about, like, correlating that with, like, being a girl was when, like, I was really little and just, like, I played dress up all the time and like I would I guess like watch TV and like see I don't know like my favorite like pop stars like Britney Spears and like Mary Kate and Ashley and I wanted to be like them so I would like dress like them and put makeup all over my face and like I I don't know I remember being like four or five years old and I had to wear I I like put lipstick on every day and like I had to have a purse and like walk out but I I just I was like extremely girly and I don't know I, I was pretty young but I also like was kind of like a tomboy too like still I don't know it was kind of like back and forth but I guess that that's the first thing I realized like oh I'm a girl so I have to be like a girly girl and that's what I associate it with but I wasn't always like that. Okay. So then it seems like there's a a way that being a girl became somewhat automatic. You just sort of bought into the way the girls were playing that you would see in this TV shows and otherwise, and you kind of wanted to be like them too. 
But then when yes. it's time to play and be with your friends, you're more willing to be a little bit wild and silly and the boy likes sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. How about you, Matisse? What are your thoughts about that? I think that I was very confused, actually. I think I might still be a little confused. But I think that that was part of, like, the woman womanhood part of me. I felt like everyone who was coming into that understanding of their identity was also going through that same thing. They were feeling like they were confused about what was happening to their body. And they were feeling as though there were things that they needed to conceal about themselves because of the confusion. So then you're pretty much talking about puberty. Like you're talking about like that time of adolescence where you're not really sure who you are and what to do. Or are you talking about when you're like a little girl, like three or four years old? I think both. I think that the, like for me, there wasn't really a lot of conversation about any of that. And when I would try to have them with, I guess, the adults in my life or the friends I had made in my life, everyone was also on the same boat as me. You know, we were all really confused or talking about those things made us uncomfortable. So we would shift it to someone else and say, "Mm, maybe you can ask this teacher or maybe when you're older, you can ask. So what are you talking about asking? Like, give me a little sense of the question about gender identity or being a girl or like be more specific i'm a little confused like you were saying more in terms of like puberty and identity like who am i and like what's happening to me right now like i'm remembering specifically when i was nine you know i started getting my period and i was like what the hell is happening and i remember asking my mom like what's happening and it kind of made her uncomfortable And I didn't know why it made her uncomfortable. And she was like, well, you're going to have a health class soon and you're going to talk about it in this class. And then I remember going into the class and my friends also being there and us kind of forming this bond because we were all like growing hair on our legs and wearing jeans because we didn't want anyone to see that we're growing hair on our legs, you know, (laughs) like all of these parts about who we're becoming. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I can appreciate that. And, you know, when you think about the generation that was your parents, the parents that they had didn't talk to them about those things. So they didn't even have like a script or a way to talk about it. Right. So it became something that kind of got avoided and danced around because nobody really found language. Exactly. Well, as we grow right to passage, there will be language. I kind of had a... It's like, it's a little fuzzy for me. Like, it's funny because I don't, I don't usually go back this far, but then when I start to think my wheels start like spinning, I, I didn't even think about puberty, but now that actually like all of these new memories are coming out of it. So the identity part, I think definitely showed up in puberty for me because I knew I was a girl, but I just, you, I guess all your hormones are changing. So you don't know who the fuck you are pretty much. I guess identity personally was always kind of confusing for me, but like identity as a, like a gender was never something that I questioned because I had so many people in my life that were like telling me like, this is what girls do. Not forcing me to do stuff, but I just, you know, they gave me stuff that was like super girly and I didn't know any different except for the fact that I had 
two brothers and, you know, I lived with my dad most of my life. But otherwise, I was just pretty much a girl, like everything was like girl stuff, girl stuff, like dress up as a princess, dress up as a fairy. My mom was kind of the same way about like not really talking to me in regards to like period things. She, I feel like she was kind of cold with me a little bit. Like if I wanted to talk to her, she kind of really, I feel like she wasn't there a lot. I almost feel like my dad talked to me about it more. Which was fine. I don't really, honestly, don't really remember a lot of it. Yeah, well, it's just really we're going at it just to kind of understand gender. Like the goal of our new voice is to just enhance our awareness of each other and understanding that a lot of what creates our relationship dynamics is a gender game. Right. Question goes into how has it shown up in relationships? What have you learned about yourself in relationships? Because relationships are classrooms, right? That's what life school is, is relationships. You've developed being a girl or being feminine or being confused or feeling like bold. You know, how did it show up in your relationships? Not just with men, with other women. So you're saying how did the gender identity affect my relationships? Well, just your own feelings about yourself and gender being one of the ways that we originate feelings about ourselves. But how did your classrooms with relationship, like how did relationships kind of like shape the way you thought about yourself? I think that my relationship with my family were really important to me in terms of that. Maybe not the most supportive parents I mean like my parents gave me like everything I needed to survive but I feel like the emotional aspect of it kind of like Macy said it was kind of rigid you know like you're a girl because this and you're supposed to do this and you're not supposed to speak out too much or I'm gonna call you a bitch you know but like, if I see my brother doing that, he's not going to get called a bitch because he's not a girl. It puts you in this weird position where it feels like your gender identity has been like everything about you has been decided. And there's like these sets of rules and regulations to it, like in terms of what you're saying, what you're supposed to wear. And even though you grow up knowing it's all bullshit, like our previous generations are influenced by their previous generations, like they have these ideas, you still feel like you still feel like you you want to make the people around you happy. You know, you want to fit into this category that's going to appease them. I think that. It was something I never even really thought about until I got much older. And as I get older, I talk about it like more in my relationships. It becomes more malleable to me where I'm not really trying to fit into these ideas. Yeah, like you're saying that, it's interesting because really you're just noticing that you were in the resonance, if you will, of the residualness of that people-pleasing model and that getting what you needed from others to kind of know if you're okay. And then as you start to free yourself from those expectations and that pressure, you're left with, like you say, a more malleable kind of like, all right, so let's see, you know, what am I, what I'm not wondering if it's going to make anybody mad. 
Yeah, kind of like that, you know? I mean, I never I never grew up questioning what I was because I didn't think I was allowed to. But at the same time, I grew up always feeling like nothing, you know? Like, yeah, I guess I'm a girl because I was born this way, but sometimes I also wake up and I feel like I'm a boy. And sometimes I wake up and I feel like, I'm I'm everything and I'm nothing, you know, and like as I get older, those words mean less and less to me in terms of my identity. And it's more just me trying to figure out like how that female energy and that male energy work together and what that means in me. Like, what do you think, Macy? What are you thinking about? I just think that it's awesome. Like the way Matisse said, sometimes you wake up and you feel like you're a girl. Sometimes you wake up, you feel like a boy. Sometimes you feel like nothing. And sometimes you feel like everything. I feel exactly the same way, especially like every day that passes. Like I feel like you just become more knowledgeable. You become more experienced. And I think fortunately we're in a generation that is very much accepting of being open about genders and sexuality and I feel like everybody can openly just think about anything they want and pretty much act upon it without it being a question so yeah I don't think I don't know I don't think gender matters I think scientifically men are different than women because of hormones and things like that I (laughs) It's such a it's such a weird thing to think about because I don't think about it really. Like sometimes I feel it, but then when somebody like brings it up, I'm like, huh, this is crazy because this is who I am. Like I am a person. I have all these like hormones and feelings, but I don't even like think about it. I don't know. Maybe I do when I just like keep it in the back of my mind or I choose not to think about it. What do you spend most of your time thinking about? Like, where's your focus? One of the things that I do is like, I have to feel good all the time. I guess I'm constantly like chasing this feeling of like feeling good. So (laughs) like when I'm, I don't know, no matter what I'm doing, like all day, I'm like thinking about, and this is like where my anxiety comes in. I'm like thinking about what I'm going to do next. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I just have random shit that comes in in and out of my head. Like I'm just in another world sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely agree with her on the trying to trying to feel good all the time. I think that maybe that was a big focus of my life for a long time, but more in like a hedonistic way where like I just need to fill myself with things all the time that will make me feel good but now it's evolving into more of a caring approach of well I'm not feeling good because I'm not taking care of my body so now I'm going to do this and I'm going to feel better I'm not feeling good because I got shitty sleep last night so I'm going to take a nap today or I think I'm also trying to do that with myself and I think that it's a cool aspect of our generation is we really like to talk about self-care a lot and make we don't know what that means in the healthiest terms all the time but we are trying to be conscious of taking better care of ourselves yeah 
I can appreciate that because I would say that the parents were usually, you know, running pretty good, trying to maintain whatever they thought they were supposed to be, you know, still carrying the torch for the like, do what you're supposed to do, be good, this and that. And then there became like a, well, wait a minute, you know, like, what are we going to do? And what really makes us happy? Well, screw it. I'm not going to do what they do. I'm going to do what we want to do. Like, you know, there's always a breakaway point with every generation in that, you know, high school time where there's kind of like, I'm going to do it my way. I don't really like what my family's doing. Not always, but, you know, a lot of times there's like a push off, you know, and it, I think it's part of the process. It's kind of like, well, I got to go figure me out. So I'm going to let go and see what happens as I start to feel it for myself, from myself. But then everything that you got from your family is coming with you. And then you're meeting it through your relationships and your friendships. Some of the ways your role might have worked in your family doesn't get played out in your, you know, surroundings, in your friendships, in your relationships. But the dynamics get repeated. So if I were to say, like, if my mom acts certain ways, like, does that, like, I'm acting a certain way? Does that what you mean? Like, because of... No, I mean, like you, you of the family, like, you know, like, again, I, I, I've known you both for a little while. So in your family, Macy, you're the caretaker, right? You're the one who's watching to make sure everybody's okay, seeing what she can do to help. You know, sometimes the worrier, you identify yourself as someone with anxiety You kind of took on the emotions of your house and tried to like make everybody okay. And you grew resentment towards your mom because she wasn't there to help you do it. Right. Right. So that's kind of how I remember it. And like, with Matisse, she didn't necessarily try to take care of everybody. To a degree, she took around to really take care of her brother. Like she got really into taking care of her brother because she kind of, as a little girl, as a little girl, Matisse saw what was going on with her family and would sit and explain it to me at like three and four years old. Wow. So she, she wasn't without understanding. But when her brother came, she really stepped up into being more nurturing. I don't know if that's true in your experience, Matisse, but that's how I remember it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That feels very good to hear because that's all I, I really ever wanted to do is make sure Dane was okay. He's, he's doing great. I'm so proud of him. So, I mean, so that's what I mean about the dynamics, right? So, like, you took on the family, Macy, and then when maybe you're new dynamics now, you might find yourself being that character. Like, I was definitely the, the peacemaker at times in my family and felt like I was in between two people. So a lot of my relationships in life school classrooms I was in the middle of things, trying to stay neutral, not take sides, like accept. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like my family system, my family imprint continued to be in my dynamics yeah. as I, you know, became more and more of me as I got older and more true. And, you know, like it happens. Yeah, no, it's definitely still there. I think recently I wasn't always like this. It was, I guess, since I started dating John, he's younger than me and I, I forget you know, I don't think about age like all the time unless I actually like talking about it. Even if he was older than me, like I just take, I like taking care of people and I like spoil people, not because I want anything in return ever. I just love to give to people and make sure they're okay. Make sure they're happy if they're not doing good. Like I've come to a place where I've learned with, you know, trying to take care of my dad and my brother that I can't save anybody. So I'm done, you know, my all to the point where I'm exhausted and just accepting the fact that, you know, if somebody's displaying destructive habits, that's out of my reach. I can't, you know, that's a tall order and I can't, I can't really do it. But I love to, I love to help people if they're just helping themselves. And, you know, I, I sense 
you know, they want help, but they're not talking about it. I'll always like extend my arm and, you know, even if it's somebody that I don't really know that well, like I always have like, I guess, a sixth sense that somebody's like going through somebody, something because I went through stuff and I could kind of like sniff it out sometimes not all the time but i just like to help people i think i'll always be that way what are your thoughts about that yeah i definitely resonate with macy in that regard i feel like i spent so many years of my life trying to get my mom to step up you know to come home to to stop acting out to go to rehab to stay in rehab to to be a mom you know to play your role and you reach a point where where you you have to accept that that fact that there's nothing you can do in the whole world to change someone and it takes years to reach that because it's someone you love and it's someone you care about but you just got to love them from that distance and accept those boundaries and i think that the role that i played for all those years for her and my dad and everyone else was the therapist you know, I just sat there and I listened and I reflected and I talked about all the problems with them. And I didn't want to hear all that. That wasn't supposed to be my role, but I took it on. And it definitely plays out in my other relationships with whether it be my boyfriend or my friend. And I see myself what I'm doing and I'm like, oh, my God, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not a therapist, but I definitely do it. And Maybe it's just because I want to understand, you know, why people are, are acting the way they're acting because it makes me more compassionate towards them. Yes. So much is coming in. This conversation is touching on so many things. You know, I'm just, I'm not even sure where to go with it, you know, because it's true when you grow in the response to somebody else's habits. I like how Macy called it our destructive habits, right? Because as humans, we develop ways to soothe ourselves. Like Mason said before, you know, I want to make myself feel good. And a lot of times when people develop relationships or habits with, you know, drugs or substances, it's to make them feel good all the time, right? Like there's something that they're not really sure how to make peace with. So they continue to, you know, medicate to go forward. But then that leaves the other people that are in that person's life without, you know, like the, there's a blank spot because that person is busy somewhere else. And then we develop whatever we develop to try to make everything still work. But I'm going to go back to where we were. I'm going to leave that land, though I do believe we're going to end up doing shows about, you know, families and the patterns with addiction because so much energy of our families has been in that vortex for such a long time, you know, because as much as I find it, you know, sweet that you have that giving nature, Macy, I also know that when you are a child who becomes parentified or grows up sooner than later, that tendency to give also comes with a not being very good at receiving sometimes and not being very good at knowing your own value and worth because you feel good about giving and you don't really know how to receive. Yeah. So in order for the balance of the male and female, like Matisse is talking about, as she's coming to see herself and understand herself as she gets a little older, the balance of the male and female is all about giving and receiving to ourselves, like self-care, not just like self-righteousness and entitlement, but like self-care and like, what does nurturing mean to me? Like, 
what do I actually need when I'm not worried that something's going to happen to somebody I love? You know I mean, how do I take care of me when I'm not in overdrive and adrenaline mode, you know? Right. Or numb and getting high myself. Yeah. So those are like natural things. And I mean, the cool part about all this is you were born to be these people, right? So like as much as like, because I happen to know all of your parents and I love them, you know, it's like, they're still heroes to me. They're still wonderful people living beautiful lives, finding their way through their terrain. But they did leave pockets of pain inside their children because we were still working through our stuff. And like Matisse and I have joked about this before, and I'm sure Mesa will relate, like we grew in a certain kind of toxicness or garbage and we passed that garbage on. <laughs> Right. And then you were eating from the same garbage going, well, I guess this is what we do. We eat this garbage. OK, well, all right. We eat the garbage, you know. <laughs> I mean, the nice. I used to say in the rehabs and stuff, it's like well, the thing is you grow in shit, like everything grows in shit. So you got to remember that that's what happened. Like you had to live through a lot of shit. And now you got to grow through it because the best fertilizer. It is the best fertilizer. Everything that's happened is fertilizer for our lives to move forward. We vibrate in some type of resentment or shame or guilt or blaming or victimhood. We can really sink our ship, right? But when you come to the place of, like Matisse mentioned, discernment, amount of space that you can actually still have love for the person and not feel like you stay toxic because of the hurt or the confusion or the pain. You know, that's an important part. Matisse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, establishing those boundaries. It takes a long time, but once you do it, you can still love someone that hurt you and just not continue to get hurt. Yeah, just understand it's not personal. It's just that's the way it works for that person at this time. It was never personal. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think, you know, my my story had more of like an abandonment betrayal kind of model that I used to develop my personality. But as I got older and older, I realized and, and had beautiful you know, reflection with my father that that concept of abandonment was like something I picked up off the script possibilities. It's like, oh, my dad's not like that girl's dad. Like she has that and I don't. So I must have this, you know, like I would find myself comparing and justifying and being confused because I didn't have what I thought I was supposed to have. True. All right. So let let's. Go on. One more thing about the uh, relationship part and the, and the boy and girl stuff. So would you say at this time you understand that the harmony inside of you is what makes the relationship harmonious? Or do you feel like if the relationship is OK, you're harmonious? Like, how does it work for you as far as your ability to feel peace? I don't think I'm an empath, but I think I'm extremely influenced, like, by other people's feelings and energies and it completely like affects me if my relationship is not good or something or like the other person is like mad at me or feels a certain way about me or if if I have a sense like I get paranoid sometimes about irrational shit that like this person they, they might not even be thinking about me and I think that they're thinking bad thoughts about me and if I feel that like I just get crazy. If the relationship is not good, then I won't feel at peace. I don't know. Like if I'm in a bad mood and the relationship's good, then I'm happy. Like I'm fine. Like that's why like my relationship is good. So I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. You know, we have what fights sometimes. And when that happens, I get scared. 
I get scared because I know I could lose myself really, really quick. But I know I can also get through a lot. I've been in really weird relationships, really toxic, fucked up relationships. Like sometimes I get to the point where I feel so trapped that like I feel like it's the end of the world when one fight happens. I feel like just I impending doom is like near. <laughs> you know, I have, I've been like trying a lot actually to stop doing that because I'm like this is I take life so seriously like everything so seriously and it's horrible like I just I don't know why I do it I guess because like the piece of me that is anxious this is what I've always done is like I always think about things being 10 times worse than they really are because I know that they could only get better and that's such a fucked up way about thinking but I just do it as like a protective like mechanism but it sucks. Like I fuck with myself all the time. So I don't know. Thanks for that open-hearted share, Macy. That tells us how much you pay attention to you and who you are and how you work. That awareness is the most we have because in that garbage we've been eating, the tendency to be codependent and kind of go up when everything's good and down when things aren't good is, is something that we're kind of evolving through, right? Yeah. Exactly. I definitely reflect on what she said in the beginning when she was talking about how not sure really if I'm an empath, but I'm definitely affected by the way that other people are acting to me in relationships, you know, like I get that sense of if they're angry, that's kind of fucking me up. If they're upset, that's kind of fucking me up. I definitely feel the same way about that. I also definitely take things too seriously sometimes. <laughs> that that Capricorn nature, you know, everything's the end of the world sometimes. Oh my God. <laughs> but I think there's a balance between the if I'm good, the relationship's good and the if the relationship's good, I'm good. Because if I'm not good, the relationship's definitely not going to be good. I'm going to be storming in and being like, there's a problem. Problem is me. I'm filled with the toxics. The toxics are coming through. <laughs> yeah, for real. And I, I think a long time ago, or maybe not so long ago, I had a lot of trouble saying that, you know, and just saying, okay, well, I'm the problem right now. I'm going to make everything bad right now. But I think as I've gotten older, it's become easier for me to get my feelings out that way and when I'm honest about that then the the relationship can can be fulfilled and there can be more harmony if I'm honest about how I'm feeling in that way if things aren't good with me well that's great yeah I think that's really wise I think sometimes the pride that we can grow or the not wanting it to be us or you know more comfortable pointing it out or projecting it and living it can really interrupt, you know, growing and evolving. So that sounds like a great clarification you've come to and you know that you got to identify what you're bringing into the mix. Yeah. Because whether we like it or not, no matter how clearly we see it, you know, because I think some of us, you know, we can see real clearly when we're young, but you're still being indoctrinated. You're still wearing it. You're still living in it over and over. So it's kind of coming with you. So when you get close to somebody and you're in certain dynamics, hi, I'm inside of you. And I'm still freaking out about that thing that you may believe wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
You ready to bring me home, baby? You ready to make it all night again? Because I'm fucking crazy inside. <laughs> nothing yeah. to that guy and whether or not he, like, you know, looked at a girl or any of that stuff. And it's nothing <laughs> to do with that. But the question that we would end with today is, how do you maintain slash understand your spiritual connection? I think that music is the driving force in my connection to the spiritual world and my my feelings of a higher power. I think it's always been that way, just growing up around musicians in terms of my family and friends. To me, when I play music and when I write music, it's the same thing. It's as if I'm I'm connecting to some higher power. It's not it's not like fun for me really necessarily. It's it's not something I would like to do as an entertainer. It kind of just feels like therapy or taking a shower or doing something that's really necessary to to get everything out and feel everything. Music is your uh, your cleaning system. Like you clean yourself out through music and when you need kind of a reset or something, you use music to heal you. Yeah, but I also think that it's that bridge and barrier that connects me to to something higher. Okay, so like you can channel sometimes and also feel that connection to like your higher self? Yes, definitely. How about you, Macy? How do you identify with a spiritual connection or maintain a spiritual connection? I would say I think that music is just innately like a huge part of my life too. I was brought up just listening, like my mom and dad always had music playing all the time, like no matter when. So if I don't have music on all the time, like I pretty much lose it. And like all these memories, I associate them with like different songs. And I could feel so much just from like certain songs, like right away, like I get chills. I could cry at the drop of a dime from a song. So I would say that definitely is spiritual for me as also nature. I have like an obsession with finding places in nature that I can make it like my home, like temporary. Like I'll just go into the woods and just like lay down on the fucking like ground and just like look up at the trees and just feel like, I don't know. I just, everything feels like it kind of goes away. And then the other things like hiking, like it's, you get so knocked out and like, you're just so tired. But then when you get to the top, you're like, you're so high up and you're so connected. Like I could cry. Like, it's just amazing. Nature and music. Some good wisdom in the house. (laughs) Nice. Well, this was wonderful, ladies. Do you have any uh, thoughts or questions or anything you want to bring up? Because what we're going to do, we've decided that and the call's complete. We're just going to kind of collect what we learned and put it into some type of a prayer or a mantra or something so that it doesn't stay in us and ruminate, right? We just went through some like deeper awarenesses of what comes up in the safety of a relationship and a conversation around how did I kind of put my puzzle pieces together? And since we're all kind of people who, you know, analyze and are introspective and like to, you know, be our best selves, each of us has been thinking about those things for a while. So 
we're just putting them on the table a little bit to sort out. So there's no necessarily going back in time. Everything was fertilizer. Mom and dad are both great. Everybody did the best they could with the story that was theirs. And learning about who you are as a boy and girl on the inside is part of what everybody's here to do. And music and nature is always going to be here for us. So we're going to find our way regardless of the challenges. You see that spirit's got away. So any thoughts or questions that you guys have? Maybe that end prayer could be something about, I know it was like way back in the beginning, but we were talking about how the reason maybe our parents weren't so clear and introspective with us about how we were growing up was because it was same with them them so maybe something about like breaking that pattern okay mm, that's awesome so the word breaking that's an interesting word right it's kind of like cord cutting because sometimes when we want to break something it's like we want to separate from it so I, I understand that we want to, you know, kind of see the pattern differently and, and recognize like some of the older women that I've talked to, I've talked about how they put so much time into giving their children what they didn't have. So you two might find as mothers that you'll be extra focused on their emotional well-being because you didn't necessarily feel that somebody was as focused on your emotional well-being as you needed, Right. And I didn't feel like anybody ever heard my voice. You know, my mom's words were children should be seen and not heard. So a big thing in my house was everybody gets to say what they want. Everybody gets to talk. Like, I needed this. This is great. I love it. Like, I can't, I don't talk about this here ever. I have men like all around. They don't want to talk about this shit. So I need to. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, Check out the website, gwtestfamily.com, and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of Draining more peace and harmony directions. and possibility. Calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. We will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Sing with the tribe. Rhythm in the middle.